All right. Good morning. How's everybody doing today? Great. Doing good. Not a whole lot of us in here, but I think we can be a little louder than that. How's everybody doing? Good. All right. It's a great day. It really is. And um, if you don't know me, I'm from South Alabama, and uh, we don't get this white stuff down there. Now, I've been in the Northwest, uh, Montana, and here for almost 13 years now, so I am getting somewhat used to it, but even with the slippery roads, the ice, and all the snow, and the cold, it's still a great day. It really is, because yesterday was Christmas morning, and like Andy talked about, you know, we celebrated the birth of Jesus. It doesn't get any better than that, and it's just, I I still have some of that Christmas joy overflowing, and it might surprise you guys, but I'm actually uh, one of the people that sings Christmas songs year-round, and... um, (laughs) It drives most of my coworkers crazy, and a lot of them tell me to cut it out. But really, you know, they're catchy, and I know most of the words, so I like to sing them or hum them, which uh, drives them as crazy as well. But the fact is, is that we should celebrate Christmas every single day, Amen. every day, because it's the day that we celebrate the birth of our Savior. And if you think about it, right, without the birth of Jesus Christ, there'd be no death, there'd be no resurrection. And where would we be? So I don't know about you guys, but to me, that's just more than enough reason to celebrate. And in fact, it's just more than enough reason just to give thanks to God. And I want to do that real quick. And I know Andy prayed, uh, but I want to pray as well. So if you could, just bow your head, close your eyes. Lord, I love you so very much. And I thank you, God, for this opportunity. I thank you, Lord, for the snow, for the cold, and even for the ice. And God, most of all, I thank you for your love. And God, that you would send your son to leave heaven, a perfect heaven, come down here and live among men. God, that would mock you and treat you so cruelly and hang you on a cross. But Lord, you knew what was going to come of it. And you knew, God, that we would be offered salvation through that. And Lord, I thank you so very much for that free gift for us that cost you everything. I love you so much, and I just pray, God, that you'll be with us this morning. Speak to us, Lord, through your word, and just help us, Lord, to take this message and apply it to our lives. In your name we pray, amen. And again, good morning. If you haven't been with us uh, the past three Sundays, we've been covering Advent or doing an Advent series for the first time. Uh, And in that, we've talked about hope, peace, and joy, and in that order, which is covered the last three Sundays. Now, I'd like to recap on those before we talk about the fourth message of Advent, because I believe it's important to remember this about each one of those characteristics. Remember, we talked about hope. When it comes to hope, you have to remember that we have hope as believers, and our hope is and is also in Jesus Christ. And remember, that hope is our joyful, confident expectation of our eternal salvation that we have from Jesus. And when it comes to peace, we have the peace of God, and we also have peace with God. And because of that, no one and no thing can offer greater peace than Jesus. Last week, we talked about joy, and Andy talked about how happiness can be circumstantial and how circumstances can change, but our joy as believers is found in Jesus. And because of that, nothing can take it away. Now, in all three of those, what was the key word, though? And I hear somebody said it, so somebody caught it, is Jesus. 
Jesus is the key. Hope, joy, and peace, they all come from him. But check it out. This morning, in our last message, we're going to talk about something greater than all three. And in preparing this message, I thought, wait, what? How is that possible? You just said that hope, peace, and joy come from Jesus. How could something be greater? Well, the fact is, is that the reason it's greater than hope, peace, and joy is simply because without this one thing, the other three aren't possible. And perhaps that's why the message is the last in the Advent series, because as the saying goes, save the best for last. Now, I want to be very clear in this. When I say save the best for last, I am by no means talking about me. (laughs) I I enjoy this opportunity. I'm thankful for it. uh, And I don't want to ruin my chances to have the opportunity again. (laughs) When I say save the, the best for last, I'm talking about our topic this morning. Because Pastor Rich and Pastor Andy have been doing this for a long time. And honestly, I have to just remind myself that I'm a beggar, showing other beggars where to get bread, to even sum up the courage to speak up here. So again, it's about the topic, and that's why I say save the best for last, because this morning we're going to talk about love, and that is God's love, and God's love for us. Now, if you were here for the Christmas Eve service, Pastor Rich actually briefly talked about God's love and what it means for us. And he talked about it in a sense of when love, being Jesus, was physically born, when the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. Now, this morning, we're going to talk about that same love, but just in a different manner, so to speak. But again, it's the greatest love there is. There's nothing greater because the Bible tells us that God is love. Nothing's greater than our God. So there can be no greater love. And without the love of God, where would we be? Think about that. It's scary, honestly. But do you understand how much God loves you? Do you fully comprehend it? Now, I would argue that most of us, myself included, that we're not going to be able to fully comprehend it and understand all the ins and outs of how great God's love is for us until we're in heaven face-to-face with that love. But this morning, we're going to talk about it And it's with the hope that we'll all come to a better understanding. But before we get started, we're going to watch a short video. Not very Christmassy, I know. Not at all. I get choked up watching it as well. And I know the men in here are probably thinking, why'd you show me that? Are you trying to make me cry in front of my wife? that's not the case, but you can see the analogy or the comparison that is being portrayed in that video. Now, there are a lot of things in the video that do not accurately depict uh, what God did by sending his son. But if you look at the big picture, right, there was a problem. Something had to be done to save the people on the train. And the father was faced with that decision that I cannot imagine having to make. Well, likewise... There was a problem in humanity. There still is a problem. A problem that we'll talk about in more detail later, but something had to be done to save us. And like the father in the video, God did something to save the people. And how amazing is it that we're those people? But let me ask you this, what would you have done? I mean, what is the right thing to even do there? 
It wasn't the father's fault that the conductor went through the red light. Did the people on the train deserve to be saved more than his son? That was his own son. Perhaps his only son. And don't you know he loved him? You could see in the video how it broke his heart. And when I first saw this, it's probably been a decade or more ago now, I didn't have any sons. I believe I had one daughter at the time. The second one might have been born, but I didn't have any boys. And I'm going to tell you guys, it hits me differently now. There's just something different about a father-son relationship. And I'm not saying that I love my sons more than my daughters because that is by no means the case. But the fact is, there's just something different about a father's love for his son. So with that said, I want to talk about that this morning. There in your notes, Roman numeral one, a father's love. Something perhaps that we don't think about is how much God the Father loves God the Son, being Jesus, and then how that relates to us. But understanding that love helps us recognize and better appreciate the cross, and it causes us to be more grateful and thankful for what God did for us. Because, like the father in the video, God loves his son. But unlike the video, God sacrificing his son had nothing to do with an accident. It had to do with sin, which we'll discuss more on later. The father in the video, that horrible decision, he simply needed to lower the bridge to save the people. But his son had accidentally fallen into that hole. That's one of the biggest differences in that video and what God did. Because God, to save us, he put Jesus in that hole. Jesus chose to be in that hole. Think about that. Jesus didn't slip and fall out of heaven. I think that sometimes we brush over that fact that Jesus was willing to leave a perfect heaven. He chose to leave heaven. And that God chose to send his one and only son. And chose, of course, being the key word there. It was not an accident. But how much does God love Jesus? Because I think that that opens our eyes to how much he loves us. Now, the easy answer there, the logical answer, is he loves him a lot, right? I mean, I, th I think that we can all agree that God loves Jesus. But I want to look at Scripture for proof. In the book of John, John tells us in John 3.35 that the Father, being God, loves the Son, that is Jesus. And then again, in John 5.20, in the words of Jesus himself, Jesus states, For the Father loves the Son. Perhaps one of the best examples of this love that takes place in between God the Father and God the Son within the Trinity is shown at Jesus' baptism in Matthew 3.17. Here we read of God the Father speaking about his Son, Jesus. And he says, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. And again, also at the transfiguration on the mount, we read where God the Father calls his Son his beloved. In Matthew 17, 5, While he was still speaking, behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them, and suddenly a voice came out of the cloud, saying, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Hear him. There in your notes, the word beloved comes from the Greek word agapetos, which means worthy of love, esteemed, 
dear, or favorite. So from Scripture, it's very apparent that God loves Jesus. But not only that, John 17, 24 tells us, God loved Jesus before the foundation of the world. They've been in love for probably what you and I would describe as billions and billions of years. But remember, they exist outside of time. Now, my grandparents married when they were young, and I'll use this for a comparison. And now, and if you're watching, they are what you would call not young. (laughs) They've been married for 67 years. 67 years. That's a long time. From that, they have a very deep love for each other, a bond that has been formed over those 67 years. Imagine how great the love must be between God the Father and God the Son. Think about how long they've been in love, and no one can love like God. It's a perfect love. And God loved Jesus before the foundation of the earth. Like, to me, that is just mind-boggling. And again, I don't think we'll fully understand it until we're in heaven. But maybe one of the questions you ask yourself is, why is there so much love going on? Well, there in your notes, it brings us to point two. God is love. This is why there's so much love. Also in your notes, from 1 John 4.16. And we have known and believed the love that God has for us. God is love. And he who abides in love abides in God, and God in him. That's why. Because God is love. He cannot not love. It's who he is. If you'll remember a few weeks back, when we took the break out of 1 Corinthians, we talked about the attributes of God. Love is one of those attributes. Now, something that I found interesting and is important to note is when it comes to dealing with God, there are two different types of attributes. There are intrinsic attributes, and then there are relative attributes. Now, I'm going to explain this for you, okay? As you would imagine, an intrinsic attribute is one that's within God, or who God is. It's his nature. There in your notes, relative attributes are how God relates his intrinsic attributes to mankind. Does that make sense? So using love, since that's this topic, we'll use love as an example. Love is an intrinsic attribute of God. It's who God is. It's his nature. So it's an intrinsic attribute. Now how God relates his love to us is the relative attribute. So there in your notes, the way that God relates his love to us is through his grace and mercy. Thus, grace and mercy are relative attributes. This is where we won the spiritual lottery. Because God is love. And and that's how I see it. We won the spiritual lottery. Because of his love, he shows us grace and mercy. Grace, of course, being the unmerited favor. His unmerited favor. Or it's something that we don't deserve. Whereas mercy is the fact that we don't get what we do deserve. It is because of God's love for us that he shows us his grace and mercy. And of course it is by his grace that we are saved through faith in Jesus Christ. Warren Wiersbe put it this way, salvation, 
from start to finish is an expression of the love of God. We are saved by the grace of God, but the provision for our salvation was originated in the love of God. You see, the attribute of God being love is the whole reason that we're offered salvation. It has nothing to do with us. It has nothing to do with our works, right? Not of works, lest anyone should boast. Because we can't work our way into heaven. And you and me, all of us, we can't work our way into a love relationship with Jesus. If there was any other way for salvation, then the death of Jesus would have been in vain. That's why grace came through Jesus. That's why John 1.17 tells us, For the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. And remember, grace is the relative attribute, and it's offered to us because of the intrinsic attribute of love. And God loved us so much that the grace that he offered us came through Jesus. But it came at a cost. And that cost is why I wanted to remind you how much God loved and still loves his son Jesus. And why? Because the cost was his son. The cost was Jesus. Remember, I said there was a problem. And it's a problem that we still have. It's the same problem for all of mankind since it entered the world. And that problem is sin. The book of Romans tells us that there is none righteous. No, not one. It also tells us that all have fallen short of the glory of God. All. We're all sinners. Remember, sin is the problem. And the reason why is because of the consequence of sin. Romans 6.23 tells us that the wages of sin is death. And it's the biggest problem for all of mankind. We're sinners, and the wages or the cost of that sin is death. But as Rich would say, his two favorite words, right? But God. But God. He is love. Because of his love, he chose to do something. He could have just wiped us off the face of the earth, but he chose to intervene. He chose to fix the problem and provide an answer. And that answer is what yesterday morning was all about. Because Christmas is the day we celebrate the birth of the answer with a capital A, the birth of Jesus Christ. Because the rest of that verse from 623, the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. David Jeremiah says this, Jesus Christ is the expression of God's love and the heart of the gospel message. Remember I said in understanding how much God loves Jesus and understanding that he is love, I wanted to show how it relates to us. Because yes, God loves Jesus. Yes, God is love. But what does it mean for us? There in your notes, Roman numeral three, here's what it means for us. God loves us. He loves you. He loves all of us. Do you understand that? Do you understand this, that he cannot love you any more than he already does? Now listen again, because that's very powerful. God cannot love you any more than he already does. You cannot go and do more good works and impress him, or go and be a better person and cause him to love you more. It has nothing to do with you. It has nothing to do with me. 
And there in your notes, to me, this is one of the most freeing statements. This gives me comfort, knowing that God loves me because of who he is, not because of who I am. Now, I don't know, to you guys, maybe that's not such a relief, but to me, that's just like, whew, thank you, Lord, to know that you love me because of who you are, not because of who I am. Or maybe a better way to say it would be that God loves me in spite of who I am. And how do I know this? How do I know that God loves me? Well, it's like the little kid song, for the Bible tells me so. And it's all throughout Scripture. And there are several verses that tell us just this, that God loves us. But I want to focus on just a few. The first verse is probably the most known Bible verse there is. And if you've memorized Scripture when you were little, it was probably the first one you knew, which is John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Now I want to put an emphasis there, though, on the two-letter word. S-O, so. God so loved the world because that two-letter word speaks volumes. He so loved that he sent his son. Now, using the video as an analogy, that man loved his son, but he was faced with a dilemma that resulted from a mistake or a tragedy or just accidents. He didn't send his son. Remember, his son slipped and fell in that hole. But God sent Jesus. And the reason that he sent him is because he so loved you. He so loved the whole world. And I got this from David Jeremiah a long time ago, but I still like it, and it has an impact on me. So I'm going to use it this morning. I'd ask you to do the same. There in your notes, try saying that verse with your own name. For God so loved Austin that he gave his only begotten son that if Austin believes in him, Austin should not perish but have everlasting life. To me, it makes it all so much more real. Because in the so, in the fact that he loved us so much, in the fact that he loved the whole world, we're in that. That's everybody. It's all-encompassing. And that's how much God loved us before we were ever even born. But how much does he love you? Listen closely because I want everyone to catch this because it directly relates to the first point. That's the reason I made it. God loves you as much as he loves Jesus. Remember, God loved Jesus before the foundation of the world. And look at the words of Jesus himself in his prayer to the Father. In John 17, 23, in the words of Jesus, I and them and you and me that they may be made perfect in one, and that the world may know that you have sent me and have loved them as you have loved me. Again, it's a two-letter word that speaks volumes. First it was the word so, and here it's the word as. There in your notes, the definition of the word as is this, to the same degree, amount, or extent. Similarly, or equally. Do you understand that? God loves you as he loves his own son, Jesus. He cannot love us anymore. What more could we ask for? People question his love, and I'm sure you've heard it, something to this effect of, 
Well, if God loves us, why do bad things happen? Or why would a loving God send someone to hell? But who are we to question God? The question that we should ask is, what kind of love is this? That God would send His own Son to die on a cross. What kind of love is it that while yet we were still sinners, God sent Jesus? Now again, think about it. The man in the video was faced with a horrible decision. But ask yourself this, would that man have sent his son? Would he have sent him to face a crowd that would have beaten him horribly, spit on him, and brutally murdered him on a cross? Of course not. But we often don't think about the brutality of the cross. We focus on the birth, and we focus on the resurrection, myself included. But without the death, the penalty of sin would still exist. And blood had to be shed, but it had to be the blood of the Lamb, the Lamb of God. It had to be Jesus. And that's how God showed his love for us. Romans 5.8 tells us just that. But God demonstrates his own love toward us, and then while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Now the Bible also tells us that greater love has no man than to lay down his life for his friends. But what about laying it down for your enemies? While we were still sinners, while we were enemies of God, Christ died for us. The very verse before 5.8 says this in Romans 5.7, For scarcely for a righteous man will one die. Yet perhaps for a good man, someone would even dare to die. But God, man had sinned over and over and over, had rebelled over and over, had rejected him, denied his existence, questioned him. And when he walked the face of the earth as Jesus, they mocked him, spit on him, beat him, and hung him on a cross. What kind of love is this? It's the greatest love there is. This is the greatest love story ever told. Ever. God sending His Son to die on a cross is the greatest expression of His love for us. And when it comes to His love for us, listen to what A.W. Tozer says. Because God is self-existent, His love had no beginning. Because He is eternal, His love can have no end. There in your notes, because he is infinite, it has no limit. Oh, how he loves us. He cannot love us anymore. We are his children. Think about that. 1 John 3.1 tells us, Behold, what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us that we should be called children of God. Behold this great love. As Wearsby says, this out-of-this-world, peculiar, one-of-a-kind, indescribable, never-ending love. God loves you so, so, so much. He loves the whole world. And if you've already accepted Him, I'd ask you this week to just reflect on that, to think about it. Let it sink in. Not only how much God loves you, but what it cost Him in order for us to have that love relationship with Him. It's the free gift of salvation, is what you commonly hear it called, but it costs God everything. 
And if you're here today or if you're listening online and you haven't accepted Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, I'd ask you to think about the same thing. What more could God do for you? He loves you so very much that He was willing to send Jesus to die on a cross. He can't love you any more than He already does. The question comes down to will you accept the greatest gift of love? And of course, the greatest gift of love is Jesus. Catch this, God loves the person going to hell as much as he loves Billy Graham. But you have to respond to his love. We love him because he first loved us. So to bring it full circle and come back to the Advent series, I'd like to add this. The hope that we have, remember that hope is because of God's love. It's our joyful, confident expectation of eternal salvation that was made possible because of his love. And the peace that we have, remember we have the peace of God and we have peace with God, but it's because of his love. And the joy that we have that Andy talked about last week being that unconquerable joy, the reason why is because of God's love. There is no greater love. Let's close in prayer, please. Lord, thank you for your love. There is none greater, none that can even come close to comparing. God, I just pray, Lord, that everyone would respond to your love. And I know, Lord, the Bible tells us that you want to see all of us saved. And I just pray, God, that people would fill that on their heart, Lord, and that they would respond to you. And God, that they would accept the greatest gift of love, your son, Jesus, that which you were willing to send to die a criminal's death, Lord, to restore that relationship with us and to offer us a way into heaven, the only way, the way, the truth, and the life, Jesus Christ. Lord, I love you so very much, and I thank you for this great, great day. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thank you for listening, and we hope that you are blessed. If you'd like to find out more info about our church or any other resources like sermon notes or things like that, you can check out our website at livingfaithclamath.com. Make sure if you haven't already to subscribe or like us on whatever your favorite podcast app is. You'll find us at Living Faith Fellowship Klamath Falls. Again, be blessed. Be blessed.